So uh, tonight we're going to continue again studying uh, Jesus' example of how we are to approach our Heavenly Father in prayer. So we, we spent the last several weeks on uh, talking about the Lord's Prayer and what, what is the purpose of the Lord's Prayer. Um, we, we talked about Jesus is teaching us about how to be effective in our praying. You know, we talked about sometimes, man, it feels like when we're praying, our, our prayers don't get past the ceiling sometimes, right? We just kind of muddle through and we're just taking kind of shots in the dark sometimes. But Jesus is teaching us here, here's how you, you go before the throne of God and here's what you are to pray. It's prayer that accomplishes its purpose. So, so Jesus is teaching us here, that we don't have to struggle in prayer. If we'll follow this model, um, we can be sure that prayer will be beneficial to us and effective. But in, in order for that to be effective, first thing he says, we, we've got to understand how to pray. And in, order, in, un, in understanding how to pray, we've got to understand what not to do in prayer. So he starts off with that, right? Here's, here's what you shouldn't do when it comes to prayer. And what does he say? Don't be like a hypocrite. Right, who do what? They stand on the corners and they offer up these lofty, eloquent prayers with many words and and loud voices. Don't be like those hypocrites, right? Why? Because their the purpose of their prayers to do what? Exalt themselves, right? They want to show the world how spiritual they are, right? That was kind of the running joke when I was in college. You know, and you had that friend who just always seemed to be like more closer to God than you. You know, all spiritual, you know. These folks want to be spiritual. They, they want to show you how close they are to God. And Jesus says, listen, you're not fooling God. Um, they're actually receiving the only reward they're going to get, which is what? Notoriety and the applause of men. And I want you to think about that too. I want you to think about how, how damaging that can be to you, not just from a pride standpoint, but man, why do we need to pray? What, what, what are we saying? I mean, at the foundation of our prayers, what are we saying to God when we go before Him in prayer? We're saying, I need you. I'm not equipped to handle whatever situation on my own. And so these folks that use prayer as a means of, of gaining uh, notoriety and popularity with themselves are left with what? Themselves. There's no power in that. And Jesus is telling us, listen, there is power in prayer. It is important that you pray, but you have to do it, not as the hypocrites do, but there's a certain form and function that you follow. He says, when you pray, here's what you need to do. Go into your closet, man. Go be by yourself. Lock yourself away so that you will be in a place where it's just you and God and that it will put you in a position to pray correctly, right? So what we've learned is, first of all, in praying, we're not to be like the hypocrites, but we are to have an attitude in our hearts that is at a place where we are submitting to God when we go before prayer. It's all about perspective. We've talked about that word a lot as we've talked through the Lord's Prayer. So next, Jesus moves into the correct way that we pray. And here's where he gives us the Lord's Prayer. And we talked about it's not wrong to pray the Lord's Prayer verbatim, right? You know, we've all done that. We, many of us played sports and we did that. You know, that's you bookended your practices and stuff with it. But... Just saying those words has no power. Just simply reciting something from memory is not effective prayer. So we, we've dug deeper into what he's really telling us in the Lord's Prayer. 
The words are not the focus of the prayer. It's about gaining the right perspective as we bow uh, before our Heavenly Father. Note what Jesus says. Here's how you're supposed to pray. First, what do, what do we focus on? Who are we focusing on in our praying? God. The very first thing. Our Father. Our Father. So, so we must understand, and a lot of us mess up here. Here's where we get off track in praying. Is that when we go to God, we're not focused on God. We're focused on ourselves. We're focused on our requests, right? And God just kind of becomes this butler, so to speak, that is there to just answer our beckoning call. And Jesus very, very clearly reminds us, remember who you're, you're talking to. He's Abba. He's your daddy. But he's in heaven. His throne is seated in heaven and earth is his footstool. So everything that we have is under him, right? This means that he is completely in control of all things. So Jesus says the most important part about prayer is first knowing and acknowledging who we're talking to. This takes the focus off of ourselves and puts it on to God. So we remember who we're talking to and then he moved into, we moved into talking about what exactly are we supposed to pray for? And there were two very important things that take precedence in our praying. First one was the kingdom of God, and then the will of God. And we spent several weeks talking about those two things. And, and why is this important for us? Why is it important that we, we focus primarily on those two things in our praying? That's right. The kingdom of God is where God rules and reigns, right? So, so we are to focus not on our own little kingdoms, but on His kingdom. And the will of God is the purpose for which we exist. We exist to accomplish the will of God. And so how are we going to do the will of God if we don't know the will of God? And so Jesus says, first and foremost, you are to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. Now, how's the will of God and the kingdom of God accomplished in heaven? Perfectly. Perfectly. Without argument, right? There's not an angel ever going, you sure you want to do this? It happens. Happens joyfully, completely, right? And Jesus says that's the way it should happen here in your life today. The rule and reign of God should be complete in your life, and the will of God should be your primary concern. Joyfully, yeah, we, we're wrestling with that, right? We're wrestling with that. And so by focusing on His kingdom and His will, we make Him and His desires the most important thing, right? And so it also helps us correctly align our prayers according to God's authority in our life. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. If we're focused on God's kingdom, we're not so quick to ask God for things that will just promote our little kingdom, right? But we're not so quick to ask for those things. Are some of those things warranted? Sure. But that's not the reason why we go before God and say, God, I want you to bless me, help me, right? Give me this, give me that, right? That's not the focus of our praying when we pray God's kingdom come. And we miss this a lot in prayer. I hear people say all the time, I just don't understand why God didn't answer my prayer about that promotion, right? And I've been praying for this promotion and he just didn't give it to me. Never mind that it's going to take me away from my family more, it's going to pull me away from church more, it's going to you know, put more stress on my walk with Jesus. I just don't understand why he didn't give it to me. You ever been there? Mm-hmm. Well, God, yeah, I understand. It might alter things between me and you, but I really want this, right? 
That's praying your kingdom come, not God's kingdom come. Or, or how about this one? You know, I don't understand why that relationship didn't work out. I hear this a lot. And I gave that person my heart and soul. I made them the center of my world. Why in the world didn't God let that work out? I wonder why. Because you have put someone else where he rightfully goes, right? We have to be mindful of that. And we lose sight of that so many times in our praying, right? It's about his kingdom and his will first and foremost. And so the perspective that God wants us to take is, is such an important part of prayer. And Jesus made sure that those things took precedence before we get down into our personal petitions. And that's where we're going to be tonight. We're, we're moving from um, the kingdom of God and the will of God down, down to our personal needs, our personal petitions. And, and we need to understand first and foremost that God always keeps those things secondary to those two things, the will of God and the kingdom of God. So thus far, what have we learned about the model of praying? Uh, three things. I want us to, to keep these things in mind. First of all, uh, this model that Jesus shows us is that the, the greatest power in all the universe is at our disposal. Now, when I say disposal, I don't mean that we use it flippantly. But we're not praying to a, a statue on a mantle. We're not praying through a pope, right? We're going straight to God. We have access to the absolute ruler and authority of the whole universe. Randy got me thinking about this the other day, man. Angels can't even look at him. He's that holy and that powerful. And we have access directly to him. There's not a power source in this whole world that's greater than that. We have that at our disposal. But we need to use it correctly. Jesus teaches us that. Our Father who is in heaven. He also has taught us that the external matters, or excuse me, the eternal matters of God are far more important and valuable, not just to Him, but to us, than these temporal things that we're trying to attain here on earth. He wants us to see that our focus, man, should be on the eternal stuff. Do we need provisions for the day? Do we need things in our life that help our life on this earth? Sure we do. But those things come after the eternal purposes that God's created us for, right? Health wears out. Health won't last forever. Careers come and go, right? Money comes and goes. Those things are secondary. They're trivial compared to the eternal matters of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says, make sure that your perspective is right. But then, as we'll see tonight, while His kingdom and His will are uh, the focus of God and should be our main focus in prayers, God still cares very deeply about our needs. He, he is a, a Father. And He does know what we need. And He wants us to come and talk to Him about what we need. And so we're going to get to that tonight. In Matthew 6. So I want to go through and just read this to you and read this prayer to you again. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus says, Pray then like this Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So again, we're just going to get through this one verse tonight, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. And before I get into that, when we start to talk about these 
personal petitions that we are to make before God. That's what these, this last part of the prayer is. These personal things that we take before God. There's something that we've got to know about us in relation to God as we take these personal petitions before Him. These three things that Jesus mentions here, daily bread, forgiveness of sin, and, and not leading us into temptation, these can be things that if we're not careful, we can think that they are things that should be guaranteed to us, right? I mean, really, let's think about it. We should, how many of you think we should pray for our daily bread? We think that's just a certain unalienable right, right? We, we, we should have, um, you know, we should have that. Nobody should be without that. Right? So why do we need to take that before God in prayer? Why should we ask for such daily basic provisions? I think, I think the theologian A.W. Pink, Arthur Pink, puts it the best. I want you to listen to what he says about this. This is so important. And he's actually quoting the, the Westminster Catechism, but he says, by asking for our daily bread, there is an implied acknowledgement that in Adam and by our own sins, we have forfeited our right to all the outward blessings of this life. And we deserve to be completely deprived of them by God and to have them cursed to us in the use of them and that neither they of themselves are able to sustain us nor we to merit or by our own industry to procure them. We are prone to desire, get, and use them unlawfully. You know what he's saying? Here's basically what he's saying. Because of sin, we lost that right to demand or expect anything from God. We're not entitled to anything. And so that's where he's getting. Listen, the, even the smallest things like our daily bread are not an entitlement that we can just assume he's going to provide. How does he refer to even death itself in the scriptures? Life is a, a vapor, right? We're not guaranteed even tomorrow. The result of that is what? I mean, the reason for that coming is sin. Because we have sin, because we're fallen, the blessings of God are not just assumed blessings anymore. And we get in trouble when we begin to presume on the goodness and richness of God's favor as if we're just entitled to it because we simply exist. Amen. And so we've got to be careful that when we look at this and say, our daily bread, well, God, if you're a loving God, you'd give that to me anyway. You know what? Here's the cool thing he does, that he's told us to pray for it. Why? There's a reason. We're going to get to that in just a second. So our prayers, first of all, and I think this is where Jesus is trying to get us to focus, our prayers must come from a heart that understands that every act of God on our behalf and every petition that God answers comes only because of His grace. Amen. The reason God answers your prayers is not because you deserve to have those prayers answered. He answers those prayers because He's a good God and He's full of grace. We're not entitled to anything. And so if we maintain that approach, if we understand that when I go before God, everything that I have, I don't deserve. And when I go before Him and I ask Him that in His grace He would extend that to me, We've maintained the right perspective in our prayer. We maintain humility, but we also are expectant for God to act. Why? Because we know the nature of God. We know the character of God. We know that He is a good Father. But we know that He's a good Father because He's good, not because we are. Right? And so we've got to understand that we've got to be careful that we don't look at these three petitions 
and, and that they're just automatically something that's owed to us from God. And I want us to, to get that and lock that in for these next few weeks, okay? So the first petition, Jesus says when we're to pray, we're to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Never in the history of mankind has there been anything so far removed from our culture today. This does not make sense to an American Christian. We have no idea what it means to truly pray, give us today our daily bread. I want you to think about that. How many of you have a savings account? Retirement account? Changing your cigarette thing in your car, right? How many of you have, have just change sitting around? Did you know that if you have a checking account, money in your wallet, change just laying around, you are richer than 93% of the world? Did you know that 93% of the world lives on $2 a day? $2 a day. You think about that. We are extremely rich. We live in excess. We have more than we need. Now, let me say this. Just because you live in America and just because you have money in a drawer somewhere it doesn't mean that you're sinful, right? It's not a sin to have excess depending on what you do with it, okay? So, I want to be very clear on that. I don't want you to think that I'm coming down on you because you, you live in America, right? But I do want you to understand how rare the lifestyle that we live is. The rest of the world looks at us and just cannot believe that we would complain about anything. They do not understand why we have the problems that we have. And you know what? Truthfully, we don't understand why we have the problems that we have. We are extremely blessed. The American culture, and, and let me just say this, and I'm not, man, I'm not anti-American, okay? The American dream has hurt the church so much, man. And I'm not just taking that because David Platt wrote about it, right? I, I, I see it in my own life. I see the dangers of living as an American Christian. Capitalism has indoctrinated us to believe that unless we have excess, we are failures. Unless you have a retirement account, you're a failure. That's the culture in which we live. But this mindset is not a biblical mindset. And again, if you have that, it's not sinful if you do what you're supposed to do with it. I want to show you a couple of passages of scriptures that show that excess is not necessarily the way that God intended for us to live. Um, the first one is uh, Proverbs chapter 30. If you got your Bibles, go there with me. We're going to come back to it here in just a little bit too. Proverbs chapter 30. I memorized this verse a long time ago. About the time God called me into ministry, because I knew that if I was going to be in ministry, I better get good and used to what was being said here. Um, Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9, it says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Here's why. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or, lest I be poor and 